Hey, my name is Matt Evans here from Rockbridge. However you're watching us online, on demand, thank you so much for sharing this time with us. We're delighted that you're here. We're in the middle of a sermon series that we started on Easter weekend last weekend, and it's called Game Changer. And we've defined Game Changer this way. It's like an event, an idea, a person, uh, or some procedure or something that just changes the course, the direction, the trajectory of something, like of life, of a football game, of, of your career path, of your academic world. It just changes things. And we've said that, hey, we all need a Game Changer. We, we know COVID-19 is a Game Changer. We know economic uncertainty or recessions are Game Changers bad diagnoses are game changers, but we're looking to God today together and saying, God, do you have a game changer for us? And, and all that starts with the resurrection, which we talked about uh, last week. And so what we're going to do for the next several weeks is talk about several game changers that I believe God has for us that can change the game here and now and forever and always. Now, here's today's game changer. I'll, we're going to share it here at the front end. Today's game changer is this. I need to change where I am looking for victory. I need to change where I'm looking for victory. Most of us, we look outside of ourselves. Most of us, we take our cues from what's going on around us or what's happening to us. How are they treating us? What's the government saying? What's this virus doing? And we look outside of ourselves. For example, when someone asks you, how's it going? Or how are you, how are you doing? Your instinct is going to be to answer them based on what's happening to you, what's going on around you. How's your relationships? How's your health? How's your family's health? How's the economy affecting you? What are your situ what situations are you in? What circumstances are you dealing with? And all of us do that. But today's game changer is just to say simply, I need to change where I'm looking for the victory. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. God does not want any of us to live defeated lives. Even when defeating things are happening all around us, God says you and I don't have to be defeated. Now, to get to this game-changing truth and how to work it into our souls, our lives, our minds, we're gonna go to Romans chapter eight. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on Romans eight. Romans seven, and you can read it on your own, is all about defeat. Where, where Paul, who's writing, feels like he can't do the good he needs to do. He, he can't just overcome certain bad habits or emotions or hangups or sin patterns in his life. And then Romans 8 switches like abruptly and is this chapter of victory, this chapter of hope. And so I call Romans 8 the game-changing passage of Scripture in the whole Bible. In, in fact, they interviewed 20 of the biggest and, and greatest Bible scholars in the world. And seven of the 20 were answered Romans 8 to this question. If you were stranded on a desert, deserted island and you could only take one chapter from this entire book of the Bible, what would you take? Seven of those 20 said Romans 8, by far the most of any other chapter in the Bible. So we jump into Romans 8 and here's what we read. Therefore, therefore, in light of the defeat of Romans chapter seven, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And we get this big word that all of us, Christians, non-Christians, all people from all walks of life, like we say at Rockbridge, 
all of us have experienced and feel this condemnation. Condemnation is like this debt that you feel like you owe or this payment that you're trying to make up for. And, and, and so all of us experience the weight of condemnation. I'll share with you how we tend to experience condemnation. And let me just say this on the outset though. Condemnation is natural to us. Condemnation or the spirit of condemnation or a sense of condemnation is naturally something we as human beings are dealing with and trying to overcome. Now, here's four ways you and I experience condemnation. The first is the weight of regret. When we let ourselves down, when we let others down, when we let our team down, and ultimately when we let God down. The condemnation says, hey, you have sinned away your best days. Condemnation says things like God could never accept you or love you. Condemnation says they will never see you the way you know, that, that you want to be seen. They're done with you. You're, you're old goods. You're washed up. It's the weight of regret. Another way we experience condemnation is we all carry a burden of acceptance. All of us are acceptance magnets and we're always looking and gravitating toward where we think we can get acceptance. And the problem comes with this, when we try to fit in, when we try to measure up and we don't, or we try to fit in and then the rules for fitting in change, we feel this condemning voice, this condemning spirit. All this happens inside of us. We feel this condemnation of, man, I don't fit in or I, I don't measure up or something must be wrong with me. E even right now, even right now, when we experience a natural disaster, such as the storms that hit our area recently, when we experience uh, the coronavirus, we can look out into the world and think, man, God is mad at us, or life is arrayed against us, and we feel it internally as condemnation, because it's almost like the world is rejecting us. When you go through marriage difficulties, and nothing you do seems to make your marriage better and acceptance has to be, a healthy marriage has to be ruled with acceptance. But when you go through marriage difficulties, like man, I, I can't please them, everything I do is wrong, or why do I react so negatively, why am I so toxic to him, to her? You feel it inside as condemnation because there's not a spirit of acceptance in your family or in your marriage. So anytime we experience negativity, we will internalize it as condemnation, like something is wrong with me? Why can't I do this relationship better? Why is this happening to me at this time? And it's all part of the burden of acceptance. Another way we experience condemnation is through the position of our identities. We are all notorious for putting stock or putting our identity in things that will eventually turn around and condemn us. For example, a lot of us put our identity in what people think of us. Some people put their identity in their possessions. Some people put their identity in, in, their, in what they have accomplished or in their performance. And when their performance isn't good, they feel condemned. When people don't accept them, they feel condemned. When our possessions are lost or are in jeopardy or we don't have what other people around us, keeping up with the Joneses, have, what do we feel? condemnation because we've put our identity in people, possessions, and or performance. And then the fourth way that we experience condemnation is this, that we have an enemy. And one of the great things or the great tools in his toolbox against us is accusation. And Revelation 12.10 says that Satan or our enemy accuses the brothers and sisters in Christ. So Satan will take our sins and our failures. Ta Satan will take our misplaced identities. Ta Satan will take our burden 
to be accepted and turn those things and twist those things and amplify them inside of us so that we feel condemned by God, by society, by nature, by the world, by whoever. He doesn't care because he knows a spirit of accusation keeps us from a life of victory. Now, now Romans 8.1 gives us one solution and one solution only in Christ. Now, I bet you all of us have tried to put ourselves in certain circumstances or in certain positions to alleviate or to overcome or to fit in or to feel better about ourselves or at least to forget our problems. But the word of God is clear. There is no condemnation only for those who are positioned or who are placed in Christ. Now, he's gonna now explain in verses two through four, how that works itself out and what that looks like when we're in Christ and how that overcomes this condemnation that's going on inside of all of us. So in Romans two, three and four, we're gonna see there's two laws or two principles at work and there's two problems and two solutions. So that's kind of the outline of two through four. Here we go in the word of God. So therefore, there's no condemnation for those in Christ because the law of the spirit, that's one law, of life in Christ Jesus, which goes back to what he said in verse one, has set you free from the law of sin and death. So there's two laws here. So think of it this way. There's a law of gravity, right? And gravity holds us to the, close to the earth's surface. But if I put us or you put yourself in an airplane or in a helicopter, that overcomes the laws of of gravity, correct? And so what he's saying is there's one law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ that overcomes or sets you free from the law of sin and death. So the law of being in a flying airplane overcomes the law of, gra the law of gravity. So it's two laws at work and one overcomes or supersedes the other law. Now, the first law is that we can be set free in Christ from the law of sin and death. And the law of sin and death is that we have this tendency at work in our bodies to do things that enslave us, that rob us, that take life from us. And here's how he says it. We can be set free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. So the flesh is this part of us that, that's, that we all have. It comes quite naturally to us. The flesh is the part of us that tends to do things that turn around and result in condemnation or turn around and result in this law of sin and death. And so let me define, let me define flesh before we get, read further. Flesh is this. It's the ego part of me, the I part of me, which tries to fill its emptiness. We start out in the world empty, trying to overcome, trying to be accepted, trying to get an identity, right? Trying to fit in all of those things that we accumulate regret in that process. So we have this emptiness that we're trying to fill without God. So if we go back, so these two laws are at work. Naturally, it's the law of sin and death and our flesh cannot overcome that law. I can't fly or, or defy gravity, right? Without a law bigger or better or stronger than that. That's the airplane that I might be in. So the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. So I am powerless, I am hurting, I am tied down to this law of sin and death, but God does something and he does this through the spirit of life in Christ. That's what it means to be in Christ. 
So God condemned, remember verse one, there's no condemnation and we're all trying to escape or cover up or camouflage our condemnation. Well, well, here's what God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son, that's Jesus, in the likeness of sinful flesh. So Jesus was not a sinner, but he was a person and he had to battle the temptation of the flesh. So he sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us. So Jesus made a payment and sin that condemns us, the mistakes, the regrets, all of that stuff that's in me, that comes out of me, was condemned in Jesus. So Jesus took my, your condemnation. If I'm in Christ, if I'm in the airplane, that overcomes the law of sin and death. And then this law's requirement is fulfilled in us. So now I have the ability previously because of the flesh, I did not. But now because of the law of the spirit of life in Christ, I have the ability now not to walk according to the flesh or my ego, but according to the spirit. So I have two laws, I have two problems and we have this, this double solution that God wants to provide in Christ and in the spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit. So we've said this, here's our flesh. It's the part of me that, that leads, to, this, leads to, to sin, leads to death. I say it this way, I'm always one decision away from stupid. Why? Because of my flesh. And apart from God, I am hopeless, I am helpless, I don't have the ability to do anything about my condemnation, and I'm just trying to uh, fill up my emptiness, and it ultimately proves futile. So here's the two problems, and here's the, the double grace or the two solutions God offers. The first is the law of sin and death which means there, I am powerless to do anything about it because of my, my flesh cannot be overcome. I can't, I can't improve it. This is, that means Christianity is not self-help. Christianity is not self-improvement. Christianity is not a biblical version of Dr. Phil and Oprah. Christianity starts out with the notion, I am powerless and I have a penalty to pay for the things I have done in my flesh. That's the first problem. That's the second problem, powerlessness and penalty. So I need something to someone to take my penalty and I need a power that I do not have in and of myself. And so what does God do? Well, for the penalty of sin, it's the presence of Christ on the cross and on the cross, he's in my place. He's substituting himself for me. The penalty of sin is negated and it's paid in full. So, so that part of condemnation, I, I don't experience because Jesus was condemned for me and instead of me. So that problem is solved with the grace of the cross, the presence of Jesus on the cross. But I have a power problem, right? So it's not enough just to be forgiven. It's not enough just for my sin debt or my penalty to be paid for. I have a power problem. So the power of sin in my flesh is now overcome by the presence of the Spirit of God who lives in the Christian. You see that beautiful, that's a double grace. We want all of God's grace, not some of it. It's a double grace, the power of sin, that in me, I'm my own worst enemy. In myself, I'm one decision away from stupid. I, uh, no one has ever lied to me, hurt me, or done more damage to me than me in my flesh. So God puts me in Christ, and in Christ, 
my penalty has been paid for and the spirit of God can come up and take residence and become a permanent resident of me. I become the temple of God. That's double grace. That's powerful. Solves my two greatest problems, right? The penalty of sin and my powerlessness to do anything about it. Now, here's what we have to embrace. This all occurs separate from or apart from my ability. I don't contribute anything to this equation, but it doesn't happen without my acceptance or my belief or my trust or my faith. Now, at this point, being a Christian takes on maybe a whole nother definition. Because I think a lot of people come to Christianity and we look at it through the lens of what we're going on, what's going on in our society or what's going on around us. And we want help and we want something useful and we want something to address our felt need or we want something to make things better that are going on around me, whether it's my marriage, my job, my, the economy, my health, whatever. But at this point, here, here's what we need to understand God has done through these two graces. It is not so much... Is do I see Christianity as useful to me or do I see Christianity as life for me because of God in me? See, God can change your circumstances, but if you don't change, no matter what circumstance you're in, you will eventually create death and sin or sin and death or regrets or problems. Just the law, unless there's a higher law working in you, working for you and working on you. And that's the beauty of seeing this. So and here's the beautiful thing, okay? A lot of people, we come and, and we want, just help my marriage, God. God, take away COVID. God, make, protect my health. God, be useful in this situation. Be useful in this circumstance. But we first have to see Christianity is life for me because of God in me. And then here's the beautiful thing, okay? When we take useful out of the equation and we just embrace Christianity as life, as life, the more I am in touch with and living accordance with this life, the more useful it is, no matter what situation or what circumstance I find myself in. So where do we need to look? What's going on around me? What God wants to do, has done, or is doing inside of me? Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. Listen. If you are always looking outside of yourself, either immediately, eventually, and always ultimately, is going to lead you to a place of frustration and disappointment. Always. If we're always looking, what's the government gonna do? What's the stock market gonna do? What's gonna happen in the, in the, in, in, with health and with COVID? And what's, what's going on? What's, what are these other people? What are they gonna do to me? What are they gonna say about me? Eventually or ultimately, and sometimes even immediately, you will be disappointed, you will be frustrated, you will feel defeated, and the spirit of condemnation will reign inside of you. And you'll constantly be looking for someone or something else to cover that up. And only in Christ does it completely go away and that's a view of Christianity that just starts to liberate us to live the life God has for us so let's ask practically how does this work itself out how does this happen? All right, now that we've got the two laws and now that we understand there's two problems and God has provided two solutions, okay? Now that we see that and we see what's offered and we see what Christianity really is and it starts from inside of us where the spirit works, let's look at how that works itself out. So our next chunk of this passage 
is in verses four through nine. And we're kind of gonna look at the last verse first to give us the total picture and the total context. So in verse four, remember he said, walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit of God that lives inside the believer. Verse nine gives a great summation. The spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they're not a Christian, they're not a Christ follower. So it doesn't matter what you were raised to think or what your denomination said or your tradition says, I always go with what the word of God says. How do you know you're a Christian? Is it because you prayed a prayer? No. Is it because you went through confirmation or your parents had you christened or you got baptized? No, you know that you're a Christian because the spirit of Christ lives in you and that assures you you belong to him. Now we'll unpack what that means, but the principle is this. Remember, we're talking now about this power, the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to overcome our flesh and overcome the law of sin and death. Here's what this teaches us, presence, in this case, the presence of God is power. And that presence lives inside of us. Now, you know presence is power, don't you, right? You know if there's 911 and you're in an emergency and you call 911, that when the police or the paramedics show up, that's powerful, that's comforting, that's hope giving. Presence is power. You remember as a kid, right? When you wanted to, when you needed your parents to be close and you called mom or you called dad and when they walked into the room, presence was powerful for you. Similarly, when you didn't want mom or dad to know something and then they walked in the room, there was a power there too, for better or for worse, right? Right now, there is an unseen virus that's exerting its power. You're washing your hands more. Maybe you're wearing a mask. You're not going out as much. Why? Because of the presence of an unseen virus. The presence of God lives inside of the Christ follower. And that presence is power. And that presence is the secret to deliverance and is the secret to victory. Now, what can you do with a presence? Well, one, you can be ignorant that it's even there. You, you've ever, you've done something when you didn't think anybody was watching you found out later they were watching and then the fact that they were watching has power over you, right? So you can be ignorant of the Holy Spirit's presence. You can ignore the Holy Spirit's presence. You can resist the Holy Spirit's presence or upset the Holy Spirit just like you can do with anybody that in your house, anybody in your life, right? You can ignore them, you can resist them, you can acknowledge them and appropriately respond to them. And that's the secret to this victory. And so here's, what, here's the great truth this morning. You know, Christians, Christ followers, we're not different because of our circumstances. I mean, you know, we're, we say at Rockbridge, we're stronger together with all our community, right? Christians are not immune from tornadoes. Christians are not immune from viruses. Christians are not immune from the downfall of the economy. Christians are not different because of circumstances. Christians are different because of presence. And where does that presence meet us? Inside of us, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And here's a powerful thing to know about the Holy Spirit and know about God. The Holy Spirit, what I'll call penetrability. The Holy Spirit has a, the ability to penetrate into your body, into your mind, to your very soul and take up residence there and affect your thinking and affect your desires and affect your heart. 
and overcome your flesh. So the Holy Spirit does his greatest and best work, not outside of you, but inside of you. And when we embrace that and understand that, it changes where we begin to look for God or where we begin to cooperate with God. And and, and listen to me, I believe we are now with an opportunity to have a rebirth of power and freshness in the church as the church gets back in touch with the great and best kept secret often, unfortunately, of the church, which is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit inside the church, inside the Christ follower. Here's why I believe this is an age of the Holy Spirit, because people are looking inside themselves because what's going on around them isn't always good. So they're looking inside and they're seeking, they're searching, they're asking questions and also There's a hunger for something that the world can't provide, that healthcare can't provide, that the government can't provide. Who has provided what would satisfy our eternal hunger? It's God. And so we could be on the cusp of renewal, on the cusp of revival. You could be on the cusp of a refreshing time with God. Now, where's that gonna start? Inside of you because of the Holy Spirit and his penetrability that we now are at a time where we need to learn how to recognize the Holy Spirit. And I'll share with you a couple things about the Holy Spirit, right? He's always the spirit of truth, always the spirit of truth. A lot of us want the Holy Spirit to be the spirit of emotion and the spirit of feeling, and he sometimes is, but he's always the spirit of truth, and that truth is the word of God. Because you know who inspired all 66 books, all these chapters, including Romans chapter eight? The Holy Spirit. He penetrated into the minds and thoughts of these biblical authors like Paul, and he inspired them to write truth, biblical, timeless, changeless truth. So the Holy Spirit's never gonna contradict the word of God. The Holy Spirit always focuses on Jesus. He's called in Romans 8, the spirit of Christ. He's always gonna shine a light and illuminate who Jesus is, what Jesus does, what he's accomplished, who he is and where he is right now. He's always focused on Christ. Holy Spirit will never make you focus on yourself ever, always on Christ. The Holy Spirit always works according to our faith. Not our feelings, but our faith. And we have to trust him and believe in him and count as true what he has revealed as true. See, the Holy Spirit can reveal truth, but we have to receive truth and count it as true of us by our faith. And then eventually, the Holy Spirit works in our experiences. And this is where you have to let God be God. A lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, people think of one thing. They think of one thing and one thing only. And they think of speaking in tongues or getting slain in the Spirit, whatever that means. Let God be God of the experience he gives. Always the Spirit of truth, always focus on Christ, always according to our faith. And from there, let God be God. And so I, I wanna talk to three groups of people of why this is so crucial for us to recognize the Holy Spirit. To Christians, This is a call for you and I to honor the presence. Christians, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Christians, God himself lives inside of you. We have to honor that presence. What about for lapsed Christians or maybe in my tradition growing up, you were called a backsliding Christians. The Holy Spirit, look again to Christ. 
Because what's the Holy Spirit doing? He's pointing to Christ. Satan wants you to stay condemned and stay far away from God. The Holy Spirit shines the light at Christ on the cross and says, you can come home, you can come back. He gives you truth to your mind that may bring conviction, but then that conviction moves you to the cross. So to the person who's, not, who's like, ah, I'm just, I've been sort of lukewarm lately, look again to Christ. You'll find the Holy Spirit showing him back to your spirit, to your soul. What about to the not yet Christian? Look inside yourself and pay attention to your pain and to your questions and your search because that's where God wants to meet you first. That's where God wants to meet you first. And what does he wanna do? Truth and Christ and invite you to put your faith in him and your trust in him. So the game changer today is this. It's not that something better would happen around you or to you, but that someone divine could or does live in you and invites you and I to walk with him. That is a game changer. And it sets you and I up for supernatural peace and hope and victory. Peace and hope and victory. Now, we go back to that chunk of passage, that we, chunk of the scripture we've been looking at, verses four through nine, and, and Paul's gonna give us about three ways to understand the work of the Spirit in us and how that comes through us. So here we go. We'll read this in its entirety. So we're gonna walk, that's the first way, according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their mindset, second way, so walk and mindset are, are somewhat synonymous. So walk according to the spirit, who, for those who live, so live according to the flesh, have their mindset on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, so your walk, your mindset, your life are all interrelated. But those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit, truth, God's word, Christ, God's son, have their mindset on the things of the spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. And this is supernaturally given. Naturally what? Naturally, we're all gonna experience the burden of acceptance. Naturally, we're all gonna experience the weight of regret. Naturally, we're all gonna be looking for an identity. And naturally, we come under the accusations of the enemy. Supernaturally, with a walk, with a life, with a mindset, life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. But those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's the third little metaphor analogy we wanna look at, the desire to please God. But you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, which means you can please God and you have a want to please God. In this, but you're in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And so here's what it might look like, what it looks like to live by, walk by, honor the presence of the Holy Spirit. It looks like a walk, how you live. And, and so if there's anybody that is stuck as a Christian or backsliding, you have to understand a walk as a daily movement with God. And so when you get stuck, a walk teaches us this, there's an unsurrendered area of your life where God's calling you to take a step with him and for him. And in the spirit, you take that step in accordance with the truth he's given you and the truth he's revealed to you. So this question, how's your walk? 
How do you answer that question? You look inside yourself and am I moving forward by the spirit in God's direction to love him and serve him? A mindset. Mindset has to do with our focus and our thinking. And and let me say this. Do you know one of the primary attacks that we have? It's what the enemy can do or society do or anybody can God can do is give you an argument and that becomes a stronghold, an argument that leads to unbelief, an argument that it's, it's an opinion that set itself up against the knowledge of God. It might be speculative. Oh, well, this is what I think. And a Christian says, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God has revealed, what God has said by the spirit of truth. And so you can't always control what thoughts you have You can always control on what thoughts you dwell. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. What's the Spirit always doing? Truth, God's Word, God's Son. Mindset, right? And then the third one is our desire, which are our affections, which are our emotions, which are our feelings. So if you've ever said, hey, I don't feel it, I don't feel God, what do you do with that? And a lot of times we feel helpless with our feelings. But here's how the Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit is always showcasing Jesus and always pointing us to what Christ did on the cross. So if we are not feeling it with God, if we focus on the place where God's love is most clearly displayed and clearly revealed, which is Christ dying in our place, taking our condemnation, overcoming the law of sin and death so the Spirit of God can come up to take residence inside of us, The Holy Spirit focuses on that truth. The Holy Spirit is showcasing Christ. We're putting our faith and trust even when we don't feel it in Him. And eventually the Holy Spirit takes that truth and brings a supernatural joy and a supernatural love for God alive in our hearts. Our part is just to focus our minds, focus our walk on cooperating with Jesus and the truth. I think that's a great place for us to conclude because it all starts with how God loves us And then when we grasp how he loves us, we love him back. So we go to 1 Peter 3.18, where it says, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he was put to death in the flesh for us, but made alive by the Spirit. And that's Easter, that's the resurrection. And take that thought, And this is how Paul concludes this segment of Romans 8, 10 and 11. He says this, Now if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. So here's my question. Where are you looking right now? And I pray through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that you would look within and you would find God, perhaps in a voice of conviction, perhaps in a voice of comfort, but always the voice of truth and always highlighting Jesus Christ. If you need to take a step today, don't delay, don't grieve, don't resist, don't hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. He leads you to victory. He has, his, Jesus, the Son of God, has achieved a victory for you, but you experience that victory through the presence of the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you. So if you wanna take a next step, you can text the word NEXT 
to 888-744-0761, or you can go to rockbridge.cc slash next steps. We would love to talk with you about a walk with Jesus Christ or about connecting more here to community of other believers seeking to walk with him at Rockbridge Community Church. We'd love to walk with you because God wants to walk with you and God wants to take up residence inside of you. So let's look to him and live in victory. Join with me as we pray together. God, thank you for these incredible game-changing truths today. I pray, God, by your spirit, you apply them to hearts, that people look to you, look to your spirit, and God, you reveal and people receive. God, that you show us and that we step in that direction. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God. In your name we pray, amen.